Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn it to Joshua, the second chapter. Today, we're going to be closing out our series on the past and the promise. I know that every single person in this room has a past. There's something that you have been through. There is something possibly that you are currently walking through, but the good news is that God has a promise for your life. God has a purpose for you. God has a plan for you. God has a destiny for you. I want you to know that there are no accidents in this room. Somebody needs to hear that because somebody, maybe, maybe you feel like your life is an accident. Maybe you shouldn't even be here. Maybe you, were, you feel like you were an oops moment. And although there are things in our life that seem random, they seem like chance, they seem like it's an oops moment, there is no such thing to God. Because before you were formed, get this, before you were formed in your mother's womb, God knew you, and he has a purpose for you. And so if you are here today, you are here by design. If you still have a pulse in your system, you still have a purpose. And so just keep on getting up, keep on showing up, and keep on moving forward. Never back down, no matter what it looks like. Because if you live long enough, you can see when you look back in the rearview mirror, the faithfulness of God. And you see the moments that you thought were going to crush you. You see the moments that you thought would take you out. But now you stand on the other side of the valley singing, great is thy faithfulness. What a mighty God we serve. And I'm thankful that he has a purpose for all of us. And I'm thankful that his purpose for our life is stronger than our past. I want to say that again because I don't think some of you caught that. Your past is never stronger than his purpose for you. Your past, what you have done, is never stronger than what God wants to do in you and through you and for you. And so in Joshua, the second chapter, we're going to look at a phenomenal story that has so much wisdom in it, so much insight in it, so many things that we can take and apply to our life. In this story, we're gonna see God's purpose unfold in the most unlikely life. How many of you uh, have ever seen someone, don't raise your hand, but you've seen them and you kind of judge them by what they've been through. And then you see them do something amazing and you go, why them? Here's what you need to know, God does not consult our feelings nor our opinions. God does not consult our past. The only thing he consults is his word and his promise for the life. And so we have to be very careful how we view people. We can't just judge them based upon what we've seen about them. We need to learn to judge them according to the spirit of God that is inside of them. The Bible teaches us that we should know no man after the flesh, but according to the spirit, which means don't look at the actions begin to look at the purpose that God has placed inside of them. Because if that purpose will ever get activated, the actions will change. Too many times when we, when we think about Christianity, we think it's all about morals and changing our actions. 
And it's really not about changing your actions. It's about understanding Jesus and your purpose. And once you understand that, your actions will shift and change. Because the things you used to do, you don't desire to do them anymore because you understand who he is and who you are. And you're worthy of more than that. I'm not going to be used. I'm not going to abuse myself anymore because I understand I'm here for a reason, that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I feel God in this place this morning. Joshua, the second chapter, starting in verse 1. We're going to read 21 verses together. For some of you that are behind on your Bible reading program, you are welcome. We're going to catch you up today. (laughs) Joshua 2, verse 1. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim. There it is again. And I did a lot of research. <laughs> I did a lot of research on this word this week to make sure that I was saying it correctly. Because a lot of times people try to, you know, and they mess up. And that's not, this is not the place in Scripture that you want to hesitate. This is not the place in Scripture where you want to stutter. So we'll just, we've already dealt with it. <laughs> He sent them there. Somebody say, he sent them there. As spies saying, go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab saying, bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. Why? Because that's what she's good at doing. This is a life skill that she has picked up along the way. When the wife knocks at the door looking for the husband, she knows how to hide them so that she can get a return customer. Because if the wife finds him, she's going to kill him, and that is going to cut into Rahab's bottom line. See, sometimes we don't want to deal with Scripture the way Scripture is actually unfolding. And sometimes people get offended. I cannot believe he's saying that. It's because you want a flannel board Christianity. But this is real life with real people going through real situations, and we see a real God working in the midst of it. And so... They, the, the, the king sends men, I'm looking for them, but the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, true, the men came to me, but I did not know where they came from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. So now we, we see that she's hiding them. And then we see another one of her skill sets, which is lying. Because she knows exactly who they were, and she knows exactly where they came from, and she knows exactly where they currently are because she is the one that hid them. She says, I I don't know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them, and on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. 
and what you did to the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sion and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in them, in any man, because of you. For the Lord, your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, Please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you. Now, now she's taking advantage of the situation. These guys happen to come into her house. She recognizes who they are. She recognizes who they serve. And she's saying, I'm going to get something out of this. I see an opportunity here to help me out. Because this city is going to be destroyed and I want to come out on the other side. She says, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, our life for yours even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window. (laughs) She has a rope so that people can escape, right? She let them down by a rope through the window for her house was built into the city wall so that she lived in the wall. That's important. And she said to them, go into the hills or the pursuers will encounter you and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterward you may go your way. And the men said to her, we will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord, this red cord in the window through which you let us down. And you shall gather into your house your father and mother and brothers and all your father's household. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head and we will be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is within your house, his blood shall be on our head. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear. And she said, according to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. You know, sometimes your purpose will take you into peculiar places. It's, It's not always the way you thought it would look once you actually get there. Uh, When I was a kid, I loved the Karate Kid franchise. Any Karate Kid fans in the house? Daniel had a desire to learn karate. And so he finds Mr. Miyagi, and he goes to Mr. Miyagi, and he says, I want you to teach me karate. But instead of Mr. Miyagi teaching him how to punch and how to kick, he has Daniel painting the fence and waxing his cars. And all of this seems very random 
until you get to the end of the movie and then it all makes sense. But in the moment, it's very random because he thinks he's going to be taught karate, but instead he's doing this old man's chores. And it doesn't in the moment make much sense. But somebody say at the end of the story. There's something about the power of being able to look back on something to see, oh, okay, now I see why that was. Have you ever experienced that before? Like you go through something and in the moment you're like, I have no idea what's going on. But you look back and you go, oh, now I see it had to be that way. But in the moment it seemed random. Well, here you have two spies. Their mission is to go check out the city and to get some intel on Jericho. But they end up at a prostitute's house. It seems like a random place for, do, to, for two Jewish kids to wind up, unless you know the story. If you understand the end of the story and who Rahab becomes, then it all makes sense. But in the moment, it's like, why is this going on? This doesn't really make sense. But have you ever considered that the things that seem random to you could actually be God's hand at work in your life? Have you ever stop just for a moment to consider the things that we see as coincidence could be God's will for our life. I mean, I remember when we first started Activation Church, there's so many stories that I could tell you about things that seemed random and coincidental that now I see, oh, God needed to do it that way to get us to where we are. One of those stories I was thinking about this morning is uh, several years ago, I was invited to speak at a church. And so I'm there to preach. And as I'm preaching, Gavin, who you saw bring out the podium today, and his wife, Sally, just happened to show up to visit his mom that Sunday. I didn't know that he was going to be there. And as far as I know, I don't think he knew that I was going to be there. Did you know I was going to be there that day? He had no idea. It seemed very random. It seemed very coincidental. But then the next Sunday, Gavin and his wife show up at Activation Church. Well, you just like the way you preached. Maybe. But maybe God was working something out. Because maybe God knew there was a place on 221 Dabs Bridge Road that he wanted to get us to, and he knew that I would never see it on my own, but Gavin would see it because he drives through this area. And Gavin sees the property. He calls me up and says, hey, I know that we're looking for a building. Did you know that there's some property at 221 Dabs Bridge Road? See, at the time, it may have seemed coincidental, but without that moment in time, we possibly would not be standing here today. Bob, Joni, have you ever stopped to consider all the pieces that fell into place for you to be here today? I don't even think you know all the pieces. Because you think that Rhonda and Jim, who are your friends, just invited you to come to a church that they liked. But see, Rhonda and Jim were invited by Billy and Stephanie. Stephanie came to our church because she happened to feel like she needed to get her hair done one day. And our hairdresser said, hey, you ought to come check out Activation Church. It seems like such a minor detail in our life, but if that moment in time had not happened, you possibly would not be sitting here today. Are you, 
And everybody in here, if you start connecting the dots, there are all things that have happened in your life to get you exactly where you need to be. There is no such thing as coincidence. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. <laughs> Sometimes I think that I'm just accidentally running in an area, but it's actually God's leading me there. Even in my mistakes, if I'm in his will, he's working it out. See, Rahab had a seedy past, but God still had a promise for her life. And it seemed very random that these two spies going in to check, up, to check out a city would have wound up at her house. And, and there, I mean, there's a lot of different reasons that maybe they stopped by. We don't, we don't really know all the re their reasoning. I mean, you could use your imagination and kind of come to your own conclusion of why they were at Rahab's house. Maybe it could be because they knew her line of work and they knew like, hey, it's not going to be odd to anyone in the city to see men coming and going out of the house at all hours of the night. So we can easily slide in there to, to find a way of escape. That's, that's a possible scenario. It could also be possible that they had no idea who Rahab was. They didn't know whose door they were knocking on and they just wound up in her house. But while they were trying to escape, while their mission was to spy out the city, they almost get caught, now they're just trying to escape. While they're trying to figure out how to escape, God was working to rescue Rahab because God had a plan for Rahab's life. See, when we meet her in Joshua 2, she's a prostitute. And it seems random that we're hearing about the story. And if it wasn't an important detail, we would never hear about her. Understand what I'm saying. The, the Bible's not telling us about Rahab and her occupation by accident. There, there's other times in Scripture where, like, Paul escapes. They lower him down in a basket, and we get no details about the people who helped him. We know that they were followers of Christ, but we don't know their names. We don't know their occupation. But here we know that this is Rahab's house. We know what her occupation is. We know what she did for them, and we know how they helped her get out of this sticky situation because nothing's by accident. God had a purpose for her life. She was a prostitute. But if you know the rest of her story, her mess of a life was just waiting to reveal the mother she was created to be because from her, come the kings of Israel. From her comes the Messiah, Jesus Christ. If you read through Jesus's bloodline and look at his family tree, you'll see Rahab right there. It's not coincidental. The men had to go to her house so that God could rescue Rahab because he wanted to rescue Rahab because he had a purpose for her life and her past was not strong enough to keep her from her purpose. And it is not coincidental that the Bible continues to let us know her occupation because God wants us to know that it's never too late. God wants you to know 
that it's never too late. God wants you to know that your past is not stronger than his purpose for your life. Turn to the person next to you and say, you've got a purpose. You've got a purpose. So why? Why are they at Rahab's house? See, they may have had a lot of different reasons for being there. But God had the mission, the real mission. What I'm saying is there may be a lot of different things that you do in life, and you may have a lot of different reasons for it. But if you are in the will of God, he will lead you where you need to be. And many times when we desire an audible voice to come from heaven to say, Rick, buy another Trans Am. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Lord, your servant is willing. (laughs) When we are waiting to hear an audible voice, many times God is just leading us where to go. We never hear anything necessarily. We just have a desire to go. We don't even know why because we live moment to moment. We make plans, but we don't really know how they're going to work out. But see, God doesn't operate the way we operate. God doesn't live just in the moment. God lives in past, present, and future. He knows past, present, and future. That's his omnipresence. He's not just everywhere all the time. He's every when at all the time. And then his omniscience means he's all-knowing. He's not trying to figure anything out. He's not trying to figure out who you are or who you're going to become. He has already placed it inside of you. And as soon as you respond to the knock at the door and you let him come in, your purpose will start to be revealed. And it doesn't matter where you've come from. All that matters is where he can take you. Romans 10 Verse 13 says, for everyone, somebody say everyone, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever. That means anybody. Turn the person next to say anybody. Doesn't matter where you came from. There's no stipulations to this verse. Not that I have found. I know that some of you, like you, you want to get really deep in scripture, like go there, get your Greek and Hebrew concordance out and let me know if there's some stipulations to the whosoever. Like whosoever has short hair and never drank a beer shall call him and let me know. I, I'm, not, I'm not seeing it. All I'm seeing, Debbie, is whosoever. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, even playing field. Doesn't matter what you did yesterday, doesn't matter what you did today, if you call on the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. But here's where we need to go with this text. Because many times when we read that passage, we see whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall go to heaven. Fair enough? I believe that. I believe that there is life beyond the life that we know now. I believe that we are created to live eternally, either in the presence of God forever or in the absence of God forever. And so part of this salvation is eternal security, absolutely. Here's where we mess up. We leave it at that. 
and we don't understand what salvation truly is. If you look at that word in the original Greek, when it says, whosoever, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, that word saved is sozo. Somebody say sozo. That word means this. It means to save, to heal, to preserve, to rescue, and here's the one I love, to restore. To restore, to restore, to restore. So, so when we are being saved, God is not just saving us from something. He's actually saving us into something. He's not just saving you from your sin. He's saving you into your purpose. He is restoring who it is that he desired you to be before the foundations of the world. Because before anything happened, before the sun was put in its place, God knew you and he had a purpose for you. Sin came in and became the problem. But God said, hey, I can deal with that issue. I'll send my son. His blood will cover the sin and restore your image. So now you're not just saved from your sin. You're saved into who it is you have been called to be. See, he doesn't just rescue Rahab from the destruction of the city. He restores her life. He restores her dignity. He gives her a life worth living, and he pulls her into her purpose. See, it's so much more than just saving her from the destruction, which would have been, I mean, that's, that's great. That's great, like destruction's coming, the city's gonna fall, but I get to live, that's, that's good news. Like the wrath of God's coming, but I get to go to heaven, and I don't have to deal with it, that's great news. But he doesn't just leave Rahab there, and he doesn't just leave you there. He says, I wanna restore some things. I wanna take some of the things that have been devoured from your past, I wanna bring a resurrection to them. Your joy that's been stripped, I, I want to revive your joy. Your peace that's been stripped, I want to bring back some peace into your life. I want to bring some worth and some dignity. Some of the things that you've been through in your life have stripped your value and dignity from you. And God's saying, I want to restore it to you because you're not defined by what you've been through. You're not defined by what's happened to you. You are defined by what I say about you. And there is a mother waiting to be revealed. That's so powerful to me. Because I'm sure a lot of people had opinions of Rahab. I'm sure even the Israelites that rescued Rahab's life because of the oath had opinions of Rahab. But God said, what? Watch this. Hold my communion cup. Watch this. I'm about to take a mess and make a mother. I'm about to take a life and do something amazing. That ministers to me because he's not just saving me from something. He's saving me into something. Isaiah 53, go there. This is a popular passage of scripture that many of us will hit in the Good Friday season where it says, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are, everybody say it, healed. But what, is, what does this mean? What, what are we looking at here? 
See, transgressions have to do with an outward act. A transgression is what you have done. And Jesus is saying, hey, I was pierced outwardly to deal with your outward, outward issues. Iniquity deals with why you did what you did. It's the root cause of what becomes the transgression. So Jesus says, I'm going to deal with the action, but I'm also going to deal with the root cause. I'm going to deal with what has happened inside of you that has caused you to become this way. He says, for that, I was crushed. For that, I was bruised. I received an inward wound for your inward hurt. He says, my punishment brought peace. That's important. Because if we are in Christ, we no longer should live under condemnation. Because his punishment was for you. He, he was so brutally beaten on the cross. But he wasn't just beaten. He was rejected by people. And he was hung naked. Many people don't, don't, don't understand this. And when we see the cross of Golgotha, we picture this cross that's high and lifted up like you need binoculars to see what's going on. Many historians believe that the crucifixion, because of the nature of what it's designed to do, was low. It was eye level. So Jesus, he's stripped naked. People are looking at his naked body. Imagine the shame of that moment. And he took that shame so that you don't have to live ashamed. And now you have peace with God. The Bible teaches us in the book of Hebrews that because of Jesus, our high priest, who sympathized with our weakness, get that part, he sympathizes with your weakness. He's not there to pick on your weakness. He's not there to point out your weakness. He knows your weakness. He sympathizes with your weakness. He knows what Rahab did, and he still says, hey, I'm here to bring you peace. So now, you can come into the throne room of our Father with boldness. You need to know that. Because some of you, when you do things or you remember things and you look back at your past, you live with shame, guilt, and condemnation. And you're like, I've got to hide from God until I can fix things. And if you feel that way, you're missing the point of the gospel. The gospel is whosoever will. The gospel is everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You shall be restored. You shall be Healed by his stripes, we are made whole. What does that mean? We are completely put back together. Our image is restored back to who we were designed to be. God is not just saving you from something. Andrew, he's saving you into something. He's saving you into something. And if he brings you into a place and a season, even though it may seem random and you may not understand it, if you'll learn to lean not on your understanding and trust God, he will get you exactly where you need to be. The will of God, and I'm not just speaking this from biblical understanding, I'm speaking this from life experience. The will of God, when you get in it, is like a river. It's actually like the lazy river at Whitewater, if you've ever been there. Minus the salmonella. <laughs> when you get into the will of God, there is a flow there. And he will take you where you need to be. You can disrupt the flow by turning and fighting against it. You have the opportunity to exit the river. 
And many of us do that with our life because we don't understand that God has us in a specific place for a specific time. Did you know that even the church that you are connected to, there's a purpose behind that? Did you know that? The Bible teaches, see, most people don't know this. The Bible teaches that God places us in the body where he wills, which means there's a specific place at a specific time that he desires you to be there for a specific purpose and season because he's saving us into something. And our lives are all interwoven. He'll use me to help you get into your purpose and he'll use you to help me get into my purpose. It's really amazing, Bob. And we, we really won't fully understand it until we get to heaven and we see how everything played out. And you go, oh, I just thought it was random that I did this, but I, I had to do that to become that. I had to go through this so that this could be revealed. The second thing I want you to know is this. Your life is not defined by what you have done, but by how you respond. These men come to Rahab's house. She lets them in. She has a choice. When she hears the knocking, she could reject them. She could sound an alarm. She could blow a trumpet. She could turn them in. But she lets them in, and she hides them. And that's why her life is saved, because destruction was coming. The, the Bible says that Jesus stands at the door, knocking. Every heart, every life, he stands there today knocking. And how you respond to that knock will determine where you go. And when you allow him to come in, he has the way of escape. Get this and hear what I'm saying. And this isn't very popular to teach nowadays, but I'm not trying to be popular. Destruction's coming for the city. What do I mean by that? The wrath of God against sin will be poured out. There is no way around the wrath of God being poured out. He's a just God, and so he will judge sin. The way of escape for Rahab was the scarlet cord hanging through the window of her house, which was built in the wall. If you are familiar with the story of Joshua and the battle of Jericho, what does God bring down? The wall. But the men give her instructions to stay in her house, which is what? In the wall. Which means when destruction came for the city, Rahab's house stood because of the scarlet cord. The blood of Jesus has become a scarlet cord that reaches throughout history. It is a sign of our salvation so that when the wrath comes, it doesn't take us out because Jesus has already endured the full wrath of God. He has already suffered for our sake. Do you understand that? He bled so that you don't have to. He was rejected so that you don't have to.
He suffered and died so that you don't have to. The wrath is coming, but it doesn't have to come for my house because of what Jesus has done. Not anything that Aram has done. Next week, you need to be here. We're going to be kicking off a series in Galatians. I'm going to call it Jesus plus nothing. Because it's not Jesus plus Aram's church attendance. Jesus plus Aram's preaching ability. You know, Jesus plus serving on the ushering team. Jesus plus me tithe. It's not any of that at all. It is all what Jesus has done. Rahab did nothing to deserve her salvation. Rahab did nothing to deserve those men coming to knock on her door. It was only because of the goodness of God. It was only because of the purpose he had for her life. And he has a purpose for your life today. And for many of you in here, maybe, maybe you've never really thought about this and you've thought that, well, I'm a Christian because I go to church. I'm a Christian because I was raised in a Christian family. I'm a Christian because I serve on a team. Today you need to realize that it's not about what you've done, it's about what he has done. And maybe consider really dedicating your life to Christ. Maybe you're in here and you've never even really received Jesus into your heart and life. Today is the day. This is the moment of your salvation. He is knocking at your door. And when you respond, he will come in and sozo. Save, heal, restore, rescue. What? Who you are designed to be. Today, everything can change. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Today, everything can change. The guilt and shame can be removed. And all things can become brand new. If you want to respond to this sermon today in the way that you want to say, you know what, I want to receive the salvation of Christ that is not based upon anything that I've done, but solely on his work and what he accomplished on the cross. All I want you to do is I want you to lay your hand over your heart. And I want to say a prayer with you. Thank you. Father, in the name of Jesus, today we thank you for your life that was given so that we can live. We thank you for cleansing us today from our unrighteousness and we thank you for bringing healing and restoration. I'm going to ask that everyone would say this with me. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Be the Lord of my life. I believe that you died on the cross and you rose from the dead so that I can live. And I receive you today. As you knock on the door, I welcome you into my life. In Jesus' name. Now, in a moment, we're going to do a baptism. But if there's something specific that you need prayer for this morning, right where you are, 
I'm going to ask that you would just lay your hand over your heart as a sign of agreement. And we're going to pray and believe that God is going to touch you. A couple of weeks ago, I think it was two weeks ago, Denise, or was it last week? Two weeks ago? Two weeks ago, I was talking to Denise before service, and because of some things that she's going through in her health, she's had extreme pain and pressure behind her eyes. It's gotten so bad she couldn't drive. She came to the altar. We laid hands on her. We prayed that Sunday. That Sunday afternoon, the pain and the pressure left. That's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. Never settle. Hear what I'm saying. Never settle for a textbook Christianity. Only settle for the living God who rules and reigns in the hearts and the lives of men. Because it is He who will help you and save you and deliver you in your time of need. Not your intellect. I'm not against intellect. I'm not against it at all. But I am more for His Spirit. Because by my God, I can run through a dream. By my God, I can leap over a wall. Through Christ, all things become possible to me. So I rely on Him and not myself. So, Father, right now in this room, for every person that is going through something in their life, for those that are in need, for those that are suffering, for those that need help, God, we ask that you would help them right now. God, for those that need healing in their body, God, we ask that you would bring healing to them right now in the name of Jesus, our healer, our savior, our deliverer, and our restorer. God, let it be done. Lord, release peace, release peace, release hope, release joy, release strength to your people.